0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it.
1: I'm going to continue on today, um, partly dissecting Cece's word and plugging it in together with um, what we've been talking about with our Watchman series. You know, I think for me, um, for many years now, God gives me the word of the year and I've invited Cece to come along in that journey with me in the last few years. And, um, I don't know how many years, you know, a couple three, four anyway. And, um, even now I've mentioned it the other day, he's, he's preparing us because he's always in advance. And I look at our, um, little journey as a road map. And, um, much like when you travel every now and then we have a little rest area that we stop out on and, um, uh, right? Yeah. And I feel like that Cece's um, vision word was one of those little rest areas. And so I was re-listening to it the last few days, and I this one statement that she made jumped out at me, and I wanted to talk about it today. Um, she made this statement, unbelief keeps a priest from speaking until faith arises. And the Holy Spirit said to me, how does faith arise looks like some people are cold let me since i can do that at the same time and talk then i will make it a little warmer for you um and the holy spirit said how does faith arise you know i think a lot of times in churchdom um we we sort of make statements and i don't know am i still on okay and just all of a sudden I just couldn't, I can't hear anything up here anyway. We make, we, we make statements and we have definitions that we attach to those without even thinking. And so then we just kind of be like, yeah, faith, I know what faith is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, um, when we were in the green room, um, I was talking about the watchman in our senses and I started putting together some pieces as a a puzzle of some things that have happened this week that, for me, are really interesting. I will propose to you today that, um, you know, it is a good father that disciplines us. And discipline isn't always um, just you did something wrong. You know, and so I know that in our lives we're going to have to get rid of this fear of wrongness. It's really demonic in nature because it's proof of His love. The Bible says it's proof of His love that He comes alongside and helps us through course corrections and encouragement. And different things. And CC and Aaron both had dreams this week of some people here that come to One Life, and they were two separate people. And so that kind of indicated to me what was on his heart today—that he is wanting to reacquaint you with yourself. And you know, one really important lesson that we have to learn is that we need to be unified within ourselves. You know, we—the it says that that God loves unity. Almost more than anything. He loves it when the brethren and the cistern dwell together. But I propose that I can't unify with you if I'm incongruent in here. And so of sorts today, this is kind of a retargeting or a recalibration of our senses. And I hope that you can receive that today. Um. So when the Holy Spirit was talking to me to, to this week about how does faith arise, the first thing that he told me was faith had eyes. And so I wanted to talk to you about that today. Um, have you ever been to the eye doctor? You know, I was 42 before I wore glasses. I probably needed them earlier, but um, I'm a cleric. And, um, and I when I went to the doctor, he told me that um, I I can see really good far away. So if I take these off, well, I can't now, but used to, um, I could see really good far away, but I couldn't read something right here, which just really hardly makes sense to me whatsoever. And so he prescribed three lenses in this little circle. That's why the bigger the circle, the bigger the sweet spot. And so if, we, if it was only popular to have like ones like this big, baby, I could see like I used to. But in these, these, are, these lenses are called progressives. And in these lenses, there's one sweet spot. And that means that, especially when I'm reading up here, um, this distance between me and the computer, there's, only, there's a, this much of an area that I can actually read. The rest of it on either side is blurry. And I propose that that's much like the supernatural. I don't know what age you got your supernatural glasses. But the supernatural world is not meant to be seen um, in full. Excuse me. Yes. She found us some info on the smarter way to search the web. That's what Siri did for us just now on my watch. Did we say that somewhere? So it's not meant to see in full. So that's cool because he does hear a little. Wait, he does hear a little. Wait. Oh, you thought it was gonna be over there, didn't you? It's right here. That's the supernatural. And after I learned those places, and and it's good. He kind of hides them in a similar place. Then he changes it all up. Because the heart of the father is to hide a matter. If you don't understand this about God, you're going to be frustrated in this life all the time. And the heart of a king or a queen or the heart of the one who knows the king is king. If you know he's king and you're his son, you're his daughter. That's why the first stage of spiritual growth is sonship, daughtership then I would know that my good, good dad, the king, wanting to make me just like him, would take me on a journey to discover him the way he wants to be known. And so in that discovery, I discover, I don't know a blooming thing. But he knows everything. And so then I discover that he's really just wanting me, he's wanting my hunger to be so after him that I don't want to leave his side. I don't want to leave his direction. I don't want to leave his, leave his following. I want to do it just like him. Whether you know it or not, when you were a little kid, I know uh, Aubrey's not, Charlie's not here, but Melody has little kids. You have a little kid. They want to be like somebody, somebody they're around all the time. What's it? What is in them that's doing that? Kids don't come out of the womb and go, I have, I won't be anything like you at all. That's 16. But anyway, that <laughs> easy, easy, easy. Breathe, breathe, breathe with me, breathe, breathe with me. They come out going, Who can I follow? Who can I imitate? Who looks cool? Who looks like what's in me that wants to come out? It's true. And so as supernatural children, we don't know anything. You know, when I first got these glasses, literally it took me a month to just not be dizzy. When you're dizzy, other stuff doesn't feel good. Weird, huh? I propose that's what's happening to a lot of y'all with your eyes of faith. Now some of y'all haven't even started the journey and it's okay. You're just you just you're just at salvation. And see, that's a cool part about God, isn't it? He stuck in you the amount of faith needed to be saved, but you have to grow your faith to operate in the supernatural. Yes. And faith needs a target that isn't happening yet. It needs something out there that I want to heal people, and I can't. That's the target. The target is I can't heal people. I'm not supposed to. Who's called to? Let me call them. Uh, no, it's you. Started your hand. I'll tricked you over there. I tricked. I was a trickster. See, it's meant to have a target to exercise itself. And see, the way exercise happens is I try it and I don't do it. I try it and I don't do it. I try it and I don't succeed. I try it and I don't do it. I try and I get corrected. I try it and it doesn't happen. I try and I feel discouraged. I try and try and try and try and try and try and all of a sudden something happens. You're like... (laughs) You mean your entire finger was healed like it came back? And you want to tell everyone... But I want us to act like we're supposed to do it. You know, when I played sports, I had this coach. And when we'd win, we'd go crazy. And he'd say, stop. Act like you're supposed to. Act like you're supposed to win. You know, we've been so anemic in winning on a supernatural playing field that when any little tiny bitty baby thing happens, we go crazy. And then God uses that to tweak and train us. And that's really what, I mean, it's happening on so many levels. I want to tell, Shudie gave me permission to tell this story about her. So Shudie's on a mission in life to heal everything that's sick. And I told her she may have to play, pray and play and backsplash. And she may have to pray for a million people before it's unlocked. So she she decided to get, a few years ago, she decided to go ahead and get started clicking off those million people. Well, she's seen healings here and there. You know, one of the cool things about walking in a healing anointing, which you all can, I just thought, I just threw that out there like that, which you all can, um, <laughs> you have to start. And so see, your faith is so desirous. It's like, oh I have something to show you. Will you just try? Yeah. And see, we we're we can be weenies and we can try once and we can stop. Yep. Yep. And we can say what? What do we say there? It I'm not anointed for that. The anointing of God is not on me. Well, it's on Jesus. Is it on Jesus? No, is it on Jesus? When I read Psalm 61, was it you or Him? Was it you or Him? Who said both? Raise your hands. Just two people. It's both. He lives in you. Now you have it. That's the beautiful gift. See, Jesus is a gift that never stops giving. Yes! And so... Since she's been trying this, then what happens is different parts of her body do something. Catch on fire or twinge or something. And at first, you know, it was like, oh, I've got something wrong with me. I need to go to the doctor. Right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah. Well, then, you know, as we became educated, right? Yes. Yeah. Our gifts need education. Yeah. You're in a training center to educate you to do your supernatural gifts. That's the only reason we're here. See, we're, anyway, I don't have time for that. So, I know. So our supernatural gifts need this education and training. And, you know, I just think of myself as just a coach that I'm just like, hey. So she was telling me the story that they were walking through Home Depot. That's where all their training ground is. I send them to Home Depot every day, and that's their training ground. Where do you go every day? That's your training ground. Yeah. Yeah. Got it? Yeah. So don't act like your training ground is going to be here, up here. It's not going to be, okay? This is just the rally time up here, okay? So she went to Home Depot, and she was walking down the aisle, and her right shin just started burning like crazy. So it, there's the indicator. She turns to her partner, Moose, and says, hey, burning shin too. Two, two burned shins. So where is it? We're on the loose. Now we're looking for the burning shin. Right? So she ran onto a dude, and she said, you got the burning shin? And he said, I got the left shin. And so, listen, this is just training. Come on. And so they prayed for him. Their faith was hard and firm and fiery and passionate. Man, man, he was touched. Awesome. And so... I can't remember how we even started talking about it, but we started talking about it at dinner. And I was like, oh, I think, oh, I know. So also that day, this is the key component. Yeah. She woke she woke up that morning and she said, now I'm going to fast for Teresa and I'm going to find me a partner. So again, called her partner over there. She said, would you be willing to fast with me? Absolutely. Well, see, I have this rule for shooty. Now, it's just now. It may not be forever, but she can't fast food. Because food's not a thing for her, so that's not even a cost. She could care less if she ate, clearly. And so, I've helped her. See, because what's fasting about? Do you know? Y'all know. So, that's not going to help her. That's not... But you know what it was? It was striving for her. And somebody else in here, you need to fast every day. I don't know who you are. But that's striving for her, so... In her, she was like, I'm going to make sure Teresa's well. And so I'm going to fast for her. Well, here's the funny thing. She's focused on how I've been having this digestive thing going on, which I'm much better today, by the way. Um, But whenever she told me about the right shin, you know, I had this skin cancer removed off my right shin, and it's been burning Now see, they were so focused, are you with me here at all? They were so focused on the one thing that they had decided that's what we're going to get up and fast for, that even though the Holy Spirit indicated to them, it never crossed their mind because why? They didn't ask. Now see, we think this is hilarious. I don't know. Some of y'all would be like, I guess, sick in the bed for a week. But we think it's so funny because it's so blatantly obvious right in front of us that we're just missing, we're just barely, because I've proposed to you that we have these new lenses on. And we're trying to get it all just right inside the sweet spot to make it all make sense, to make it all... And I figure out it's just over here somewhere. And see, that's what keeps us asking the more you will ask i mean i can tell you another thing happened with tessa another thing happened with pam this week another thing happened with tracy this week they they both had dreams all that all of that is the same thing i'm talking about right here if you can i'm sure most of you have had something that you could put in this category this week that's what i want to talk about today the the redefining or recalibration of your eyes of faith Now, think about it. When you go to the eye doctor, they dilate your eyes. That makes your pupil huge. Why? Because they want to be able to see into it bigger. Let's dilate the eyes of the Spirit. Now, how do we do that? See, the eyes of the Spirit need to expand for you. I spend time expanding the eyes of the Spirit. So when I hear a story like this, or I hear a story like that, or I know something happened with Pam, the eyes of the Spirit are expanded over that event to see it through wisdom. Now, what's the goal of the Spirit? The goal of the Spirit is for you to just follow Him. The goal of us, let's read a couple of things about it. I love this scripture. It says, Hebrews 12, 2, I preach on this a lot. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter or finisher of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith into maturity. That's Jesus. I have to turn away from all that distracts me from Him doing something with my faith and with me. So He's the author. He's the, he's the one that wrote your story. So He's the author. Think about it. If you wrote your own story, right? you wouldn't want somebody else to come along and say, that's my story. This is, you're Jesus' story. You're not even writing your own story. You're not the author. There's nowhere in the book that says you're the author. There's nowhere in the book that says you're the creator. You're the object of the story. And so it says, Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority. And the completion of his work. That act of sitting down. Did those three things. I'm God. Or I couldn't get back up here. Right? I got all the keys. The ones you lost at the garden. Ding, ding, ling, ling. Those three keys you lost at the garden. I got them back. I have them. And it's finished. He's not going to do anything else. That is really important that you, because see, what we do when we fail, we want to feel sorry for ourselves and we want some sort of something to come in and say, it's okay, baby. And he don't really want that. He wants to say, no, not my will. And we say, oh, dang, I thought I was in your will. Let me scoot over a little bit. Yeah, oh, I see it now. I was just, I was over there in my will. I thought it was your will that whole time. I don't know what I was thinking over there, but no wonder it wasn't working that quick. We spend so much time here. Come on, God, bless it, bless it. In the name, of, oh, I break off that demon. Uh, in the name of Jesus. I mean, we're just doing all kinds of spiritual calisthenics over here, just getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it, sweating, feeling good, uh, uh, And we're in our will, and we're, we might as well say, "My will, my will, my will be done." The first thing, like today, the first thing I said, let's walk it back, Tess. Where's the where, what did you hear way back here? It was as clear, wasn't it? It was just as clear as day. What she heard when we walked it back with these two over here clear as day. Oh my gosh, that's just so much clearer now. Now that we know he wants it, he, that's available in the moment. But if I'm in my will, my eyes of faith, I don't have my glasses on. Listen, when I take these glasses off, I can't see y'all. I mean, yeah, there's blobs out there. And I know you got dark hair, but I mean, everything, like she's got 12 noses. You got like a bunch of beards that are just stacked on top of each other. It's not clear. See, when I come in alignment with His will, it brings the clarity. My time of dilation is over here. I don't walk around with my eyes dilated all day. I got now, I got the spectacles. I got the seeing eyewear. This makes everything clear. See, there's a time to do this and a time to do that. And we don't want to ex- exchange those. And so think about it. this is what it says. The author means he's the pioneer. He's the one that takes the lead in everything. So where is where where is it you take the lead? Nowhere. Nowhere. That's the big zero. You are not in control. You are not your own. The more you surrender all those things, the easier life will be. If you want to live in perfect peace, live inside perfect peace. The one, the perfect peace guy. Don't get outside in your own will. When you get afraid, you're in your own will. He said don't fear. He didn't even give you the 12-step program for not fearing. Don't was his one-step program for fear. Don't. If you, I, pro, I propose to you, if he said it's that simple, it is. If you will stop saying, saying if you will start saying to yourself, don't fear. Stop fearing. Fear go. Just a couple of lines. You can live fear-free. It's when I sat down with it. Well, come here. What are you thinking? Well, where do you think that might happen? Well, oh, who will do it? No, I know. They're not thinking about you, are they? I mean, you're just petting that thing. And then you call somebody. Hey, you know what happened to me? Oh, just let's just keep. And and uh, that can go on for weeks. And guess what? When you have the wake-up call, you're right back where you were before you started doing this. You made no movement in the spirit. That's why birds of a feather, they flock together. We had a little thing happen up here yesterday, and that's what happened. We just, two birds got together, we just flocked together. We didn't think about it. We didn't think about what we were doing. And then when someone said, hey, y'all are flocking on the wrong tree, <laughs> it was so clear. Yeah. Now, I love shooting and Aaron. If I say something like that to them, there's no pity there's no, we're just, I mean, it was like, thanks, here we go. I mean, we just, I love that because there's no time lost. So I don't have to think, I wonder if they can receive this. I wonder if this is a good time. I'm wondering if they're PMSing. I'm wondering if anything's going I'm wondering, if, will this cause them to have a meltdown tomorrow at church? Well, you know. Do you see how the Holy Spirit loves to just have that continual like, hey, no, hey, yes, hey. So that's what author means. And perfecter, this is a big one, it means perfecter. I love this. Who has it in his own person, he has, let me rephrase. Who has in his own person raised faith to its perfection? Jesus himself needed to have faith to come be a man. Have you thought about it? Okay, Dad, thanks for sending me down in that flesh and I'll be back in 33 years. And I'll die for all their sins. Hoping the power of my dad will raise me up. Think of it. Never been done before. Was no example. That's the Savior that's in you. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. His own person raised faith to perfection. Yeah. <laughs> that's all he's trying to do in you. The faith exists in you. He says that he put it in you. That was part of your package deal. What, what an unbelievable plan. I'll plant this seed. Of, it's real tiny. And he's like, okay, now let's do some life. Where that faith will begin to be perfected, where that faith will begin to grow. You know, the number one place to do it is financially. You know, we fund, we don't have any outside funders. Think about it. Our little group funds paying for this building, paying for a couple people to preach, paying for the electric bill, paying for some cameras. All of y'all do that. But guess what? I know people in this room who their finances have exploded. Why? They bought in to the plan. You sow, you reap. Can't turn it off. You sow, you reap. You sow, you reap. So that's part of how he's perfecting Um, my eyes of faith. So my, my eyes become, um, distracted by what appeals to me. You know, I didn't grow up watching a lot of movies. I don't like a lot of movies, <laughs> but you know, every now and then in downtime, you know, I'll like try to, try to find something to watch. Usually I play a game while it's on and I don't watch it, but cause I get tired of watching it cause it's idiot stuff. But, listen, every now and then I'll, I'll see something and it will stir up something in me that says that story needs to be told. And think about it. That's kind of like your story, isn't it? That is, and from heaven, I see this a lot. From heaven, he's watching down. He's like, hey, there's a story. I'll pick Aaron and I'll make a story out of his life and then when he, begin, when he retells his story then somebody else hears elements of his story right see that's really what the Bible says overcomes the enemy it's not a bunch of screaming and hollering it's just your story uh, yes. if you tell your story enough what's going to happen See, the blood of Jesus came in, washed him clean, changed him, does it every day, and then he retells his story. Now, he's he's in an industry where it's all worldly, right? But his story stands above the rest. I like it. It says this, 1 Corinthians 2, 5. It says, God intended that your faith, not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in His almighty power. Yeah. I remember where I was when I when I stepped out of religion. It was like stepping out of a big old heavy garment into freedom. I re- I remember where I was sitting, laying. I remember what kind of I had a polka dotted, three color green comforter. I remember where I was. Do you remember where you were when you stepped into truth and that that weight of that mantle really fell off of you? Some of you it was gradual. Some of you was that kind of experience. When Shuddy came for the first time, we probably had 10 people. She could not quit laughing. She was laughing and rolling, and and she didn't even know why she was laughing. Why? Because God is restoring joy. Why? Because joy is part of her anointing. Yes. Yeah. Now, see, as watchmen, that's this spiritual eyesight is so important. It's so important. We've been talking about it, reestablishing a wall of truth. Have you been noticing things that you could be at a higher place in. And then you could see a little bit further out in advance what's coming. Right? And that should be good news. Right? And then as this eyesight begins to be perfected, then I see out across the horizon of what God's doing on the earth right now. And see, that's part of what... I try to tell us stories about the Black Panther, and I don't just take that one interpretation. And when I grew up, man, there was only one way, black and white. If I would have got up here Wednesday and told you that's what the the dream meant, and I got up here today and told you I heard another part of the dream, it would have been like I was in heresy. Why? Because that that that's the black and white way that we see. There can only be one way, and God is like, oh no. What, please you don't remember you only know i'm part one part's over here now how in the world i didn't put that that black panther in the backyard with the bucket i saw nothing about the movie zero never even came but we were sitting um we got home we were waiting for our dinner to be delivered and um we were sitting there and i was talking to her and i was watching the football game and, um, some uh, just people I didn't even care about. And of course, in that moment, I'm like, the team's beating the other team, drumming them to death. And I'm like, go, go. And she's like, all of a sudden she goes, oh, the poor other team has squared that we aren't for either one of these teams, but she just naturally on the side of the team that's losing <laughs> and she don't even care about them. And so then I don't know what happened, but right then in that, in my mind's eye, I saw that Black Panther. I saw the election. I saw it had nothing to do with nothing, wow. <laughs> seemingly. And and can I tell you? Ten seconds later, that movie preview trailer came on at the football on, uh, at the football game commercial time. And I and I looked and I I didn't even say anything to her at right then. end. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. I never saw that about her dream, but all that happened just in that one second. And see. There's something in me that's like, oh, I don't think I want to tell everybody that. What is that? What's that? What part of that is me? Say, oh, I don't want to be in heresy. Where did I learn that? Not here. Right. Do you see how we, it just can get, it can, I'm trying to show you how it filters in and blinds us. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can go talk to somebody and get their advice and all of a sudden you're just blind. And see, that's why constantly we have to remember it's, I like it in 1 Corinthians 2 14. It says, These things of God make no sense to people who are not of the Spirit. He, they can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, see, I know in that moment, He just illuminated something. It wasn't anything I did, it wasn't that I had prayed a lot today, or it wasn't, I mean, I had, but it didn't have anything to do with me. Right. It had to do with the illumination of the Spirit. And see, then my job is just to come and say, hey, this is probably about the elections too. Hey, this is something the Holy Spirit wants to do. Let's just press in to pray about these elections some more. And, and then they came home from prayer and I said, what did y'all pray about? Elections? I had no idea. We didn't discuss it beforehand. I didn't call her while I was sitting there watching the football game. Hey! Nothing. Why? It's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Right, First Corinthians two sixteen it says, "For who has ever known the mind of Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor?" It says Christ has, and we possess Christ's per- perceptions. Look at you. You have this. You you have this within you. You possess this. I like the commentary. It says, we believers possess the Holy Spirit who reveals the thoughts and purposes of Jesus. The revelation of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached was not understood by the intellect of men, but by those who welcomed his truth. Humanly speaking, no one can understand the mysteries of God without the Holy Spirit. Those who have the Holy Spirit now possess the perceptions of Christ's mind and can implement His purposes on the earth. That should make you really happy. Now see, if I possess something and I don't know how to use it, then the possession of it is useless. Is this true? So... When the Bible tells us something that we have and I am not using it. So if I if the Holy Spirit was illuminating to me every thought and purpose remember you're not your own. I don't know if you if you can understand the joy in this, but you are here for an assignment from God that is not of your making. You can't make it up. And decide that this is what you're going to do and then tell him to bless it. The thoughts and purposes of Jesus have to do with the initiative from God, the Father. And that's why you're here. Just like Jesus came and fulfilled a purpose, you have a purpose equally as great. I can tell y'all don't believe that. Maybe two people believe that. Listen, if you don't believe that, you're not going to be pursuant of the thoughts and purposes that the Holy Spirit's revealing because you're going to already think you're nothing. You're going to already think, oh, well, you know, somebody else's job is better. I mean, that's why he described all the parts of the body of Christ. That's why I said Wednesday, it was his intention to do this through the ecclesia, All of it points to you discovering what's already in you and how to be aware of it and how to utilize it daily. It's not about some event. And see, as I begin to ask the Holy Spirit, I want to be a healer. I have such a desire to be a healer. And see, I begin to just desire to be aware of His presence. Like I just wanted... To remember that it's have you do you know I'm talking about anybody where you just don't want to forget you don't want too many seconds to go by. I used to have to set something on my watch at first at five till the hour. I just put presence on my watch. Now at first it might be 55 minutes. Oh right, presence. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing right now with my life. I'm focusing on presence. I'm focusing. And you might maybe you don't know anything about the thoughts of God. And maybe you just need to put God's thoughts. So you're like, oh, right, yeah, I need to be thinking some God thought right here. Why? Because the more of my life that begins to turn over to Him, to my the Because see, a day will turn into a week and a week will turn into a month and a month will turn into a year and you hadn't thought about God but once or twice when you're in trouble. Your assignment isn't about you just getting out of trouble on earth. I like this crazy scripture in Ecclesiastes. It says, "Sow your seed in the morning and don't be idle with your hands in the evening. For do you know whether do you know whether morning or evening planting will succeed?" Do you love that scripture? I mean, all this what? Huh? What's it saying? It's saying sow seeds in the spirit all the time. Sow seeds in the natural all the time. I was up at 3.30 buying a birthday present from a Pammy. 3.30 in the morning. Because why? Her 60th birthday is coming up. That's special. 3.30, the Holy Spirit woke me up and he said, now. I said, now. (laughs) Why? Because you never know. That could have bumped something in the spirit. I just don't want to question. I went yesterday and I bought somebody a computer. Why? Because he said now. I got there. I had already decided to buy it. And they said, guess what? You get $400 off today. Woo! Why? Because now is now. You know, when you sow. See, that's the thing is that we can't. Segment out our life and say, well, I worked all day. Nothing's happening tonight. This isn't just functions of labor or something, please. (laughs) It may just be time. Have you ever worked real hard and you said, now is me time. What if that's the time? What if that was the so time? And you're like, no, it's me time. Are you even aware that you had that set up in your mind when you woke up? How many of you woke up and you're tired and you said, When I get home from work, I'm going to have me a nap. You had not even started the day yet. My mom used to say, No matter what time you get up, you're tired. It's not. Listen to this. You're sowing seed, baby. You're going to reap that little seed. I love Hebrews 11, it says, it's talking about Abraham. It says, his eyes of faith, there it is right there, were set on a city with unshakable foundations, who architect and builder was God himself. What was he talking about? What's Abraham's story? God came to him when he lived with his dad, who was an idol maker. Abraham was an idol maker and was inheriting the business. It was profitable. And God said, get out from there and go to a place I'll show you. I'm not showing it to you now. I'm going to see if you're going to get up. I'm going to see if you're going to leave. I'm going to see if you're not going to look back. He had Lottie to show him what happens if you look back. Right? Right? whose builder and architect is God. Of what? Of the plan. He was telling him to get up, leave that old dormant idol worship behind. Listen, can I say a blunt statement? If you're not doing the purpose of God, you're doing some form of idol worship. You've you've erected something else as more important. Maybe it's just lack of of education. Maybe you've never heard that before. It's still, I'm sorry, an idol because you're not doing God's purpose. See, because God's purpose, he's provided everything you need to do his purpose. It's finished. When he says it's finished, it's finished, it's finished, it's finished, God is going to do no more work. I can just hear him. I'd like to come back for a planet who the brides have taught everyone that the whole entire orchard is blooming. There's a love feast of the brides and they made everybody else a bride. Even the taskers. Even the clerics. You know, I spent 13 years with someone that made me a bride. I maybe, I don't even know. I didn't know back then. I maybe didn't come to the planet a bride. But now I'm a bride. And now the Bible says I've got to make myself ready. Part of making myself ready is understanding that these spiritual eyes need illumination every day. I don't want to just put him off on the back burner. If I'm not tired at the end of the day, I'll spend some time with you. I I got tired of every day not knowing whether I did his purpose or not. And if I don't know, I didn't do it. Because now I know. And whether it be banging around some cabinets or whether it be preaching the word of God every day is meant to be filled with his purpose. Let me end with this last scripture. If I can find it. In Psalm seventeen eight, it says, Keep me in your affectionate care, protect me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the protective shadow of your wings. That word, pupil, is the center of affection. You are the center of God's affection. Let's make him the center of our affection. Come on, CC.
0: a beautiful, beautiful message. Thank you, Tisa. Oh, You know, I have to share this one thing. I don't know if any of you, you probably remember a word I've read a few times, but it's the regal robe word that we wrote the regal robe song from. And there was a part Tisa and I were remembering, and they remember this word, that word and that whole experience and song was inspired by the footnote I read in the passion translation that talked about how... I can't, even, I can't even recap all of it right now, but basically that there was an ancient uh, Hebrew thing that was taught that that Jesus' hair looked like Hebrew letters. Right. And um, there's a, a verse that goes with that from, it, I think it's from Song of Songs. Yeah, Song of Songs, 511. And so there's a part where I wrote, I see your crown of gold, its ever-present glow. It draws me in to see so bright with a glorious light inviting me. There's no need to turn my gaze. My eyes grow wide instead of narrowing. Isn't that so cool? My eyes grow wide instead of narrowing. And as Tisa was just this morning sharing a little bit about what she was going to talk about, we remembered this line. And so I love how the Holy Spirit drops a hint and says, you know, this is something that's coming. And that verse, uh, I'll go ahead and read part of it. It says the Song of Songs 511. The way he leads me is divine. We're talking about being led by him. His leadership is so pure and dignified as he wears his crown of gold. Upon this crown are letters of black written on a background of glory. That's that resonates with me just more, even more today, after you know what we sang in worship and Tisa's message. And how cool, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, yes, this is the way, this is the way for your spiritual eyes to be, um, uh, what's the word now? Dilated, yes, thank you. To be dilated, that our eyes grow wide when we see the letters, the Hebrew letters, shining in the light of Jesus's crown, which only is on his head, of course, if we give him his kingship, right? We won't see it if we've got the crown on our own head, because we'll be looking at our own hair which is symbolic for wisdom. So, you know, that just kind of fell out there. That was fun. But we will. We'll be looking at our own hair because that's what the light's shining on. And so this, um, I love this message, and I really have been trying to, of course, apply and seek out, you know, the personal meaning and application of uh, what was shared last Sunday when we shared last Wednesday and Sunday, the vision and then the, the message about the vision Um, which, of course, was tied to his optic nerve, right, about seeing. It was all about seeing from the throne room. And so it all goes together. I love how the Holy Spirit builds on that. And so I've been trying two parts of that word and vision that really impacted me um, was the idea that there were two high priests, you know, and that was a corrupt religious system, and that they were the two high priests that plotted to crucify Jesus. And, of course, the vision— in the vision, there was something about Jesus being on the cross because that was the last part of the vision that I had seen. And so I keep that. I think that one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit speaks to us that way is because there's a power that is stronger than words in a way in an image because it impacts us. And so if we keep it ever before us, then it speaks to us in, in, in different situations, you know, whichever situation we're in at the time. And so I've been looking myself for where are, what are ways, even just in my own thoughts, mostly where I'm still trying to be a high priest with Jesus. You know, I've got the two, the corrupt system of being my own king, you know, king over my life. And so just, I've been looking for different ways because he's given us this word and given us this message today because there are just subtle things and easy things that we can tweak if we are aware of it. And if we're asking And what she described today is the process that we're always going to be going through of just having, letting him speak to us and show us, you know, letting him enlarge the people, enlarge our viewpoint. And that, like she said, she started off talking about correction and discipline. And some of us get so offended and upset or hurt, or we feel, you know, shame and all of that. But that's such a a plot of the enemy to keep you from doing this very thing. It's, you know, it's just a distraction. And so we can really cherish and love that this process with him. In fact, and so I have a few scriptures I just want to share with you because I've been studying um, in Hebrews this week. I've been reading because I thought to myself, well, you know, if I knew more about what a high priest did, and if I focus on what Jesus does as the high priest, then that will remind me of when I don't need to be high priest. Because, you know, and I had this, I had this dream about some people in here um, that they'd had eye surgery, and then they were concerned that their insurance wasn't going to cover the aftercare, okay? And so what that, that reminded me of was that we're happy for the surgery, okay? There was this emergency interception and intervention by God to give us this surgery to um, connect our vision to his optic nerve, right? But then- we're, we're wondering if the aftercare is really going to be there. Like, God, are you really going to be there in this new way when I leave this room? You know, we love it when we're sitting here and we're like, yes, yes, yes. But are you really going to be with me when I go to work tomorrow? Because you're asking me to let go of my natural vision and to trust your vision. But are you really going to be speaking? Are you really going to come through for me? And that's the very place that I find that's what trips me up, is I don't trust him because I don't know him in different situations. And so it's not that I want to put the the crown back on my own head and be the high priest again, but I, I don't trust his way or don't know his way, and the only other way I know is my own. And so it's not like a deliberate rebellion, like, you know, kicking God out. It's just like I really am not confident in what you're going to do, God, and so I'll just fall back on to my own way, and so that is, I think, the the places that we still do that, and we all do it on some level in different situations, is exactly what he's trying to reinforce and bring us into a greater level of wholeness in, and so I thought, well, I need to be focused more on what does a high priest do? Like, what did the high priest do back in the day? What does Jesus do now? I want to focus on that because that will then resonate in me when I'm in those moments. And I really, you know, it it builds up my faith and my trust. So Hebrews is a, the whole book, of course, is amazing. Um, I had to pull out a few snippets, though, to share with you. In Hebrews 2, and it was so crazy, too, because I didn't know Tisa was reading in Hebrews either. Um, yesterday but in hebrews 2 verse 16 and 17 it says for it is clear that he didn't do this for the angels but for all the sons and daughters of abraham this is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way he made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before god as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. Now the footnote this was the passion translation and for king priest there it says the Aramaic can be translated at as if it would say so that he would be the nurturing lord of the king priest. His heart in all of this of course was to nurture us. That's present day in all of those moments I just described. So um, he, the nurturing Lord of the king priests. So his kingship in our life isn't to just drag us around, you know, in fearful obedience. His kingship over us is to nurture us in those moments so that we are happy to let him be king in those moments. And so, um, and jump over to Hebrews 3 verse 12 through 14, it says, so search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has has evil or unbelief hiding within you. As I said, evil sounds like a strong word. I don't think we're really walking around with, you know, blatant evil, but we have unbelief and we have doubt. And so it says in another translation, you could say, take care to search your heart. Take care that your heart doesn't have any evil or unbelief hiding with you. For it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. And that's what Jesus is talking about. We have moments all throughout our day where he's given us that subtle nudge. He's saying, hey, keep looking through your peripheral vision, the supernatural vision, just a little longer. But our doubt and unbelief causes us to be unresponsive in those moments. And so we miss the moment. He says, it says in verse 13, this is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, the footnote there talks about how it could be the deceit of the enemy, of Satan, or it could be your own ability to be self deceived which is, again, what we're talking about. If we switch to looking through our natural vision while trying to operate with him and our own reasoning, we can self deceive ourselves. It says, For we are mingled with the Messiah if we will continue unshaken and in this confident assurance from the beginning until the end. One more footnote I wanted to read there. I loved this part. Um, our confident assurance. We will continue unshaken in this confident assurance. The Aramaic can be translated, we are joined or leavened in the resurrection through him. So our focus is to remember we're mingled with the Messiah and we are joined and sown in, connected with his resurrection. So our doubt has no, no power over us anymore because we're we are tethered to the Messiah, the risen and resurrected Messiah. Again, these are the things we have to meditate on over and over that then we can will rise up in us in those individual moments. Okay, so I wanted to highlight this thing in verse in Hebrews chapter 6. I found a verse that connects to the vision I had and I didn't even know it was in there. So, I mean even in other translations, like that have been around for a long time, I didn't know it was there. It's not just the passion. It's in the amplified. And so if you, as I said, in the vision and the message, the idea was there were two high priests that put Jesus back on the cross. So the personal message for me, and I think for all of us, is that there are times we operate in that corrupt system. And in doing so, we put Jesus back on the cross. Remember how that that question was proposed on how that applies for us? Well, this is a verse that talks about I think it's a scary verse in some ways for a lot of us, a lot of people, because it talks about people who walk away from God, okay, and it's, but I want to propose that that's um, a picture, well, there are some people who do that in life, they truly, truly just denounce God and walk away, and that's literal, but this is a picture of something that we do in individual moments that's not you know, forever walking away from God, we're not rejecting God, but in a sense we are in individual moments, If in those times that, like I said, we just don't really trust you, so I'm going to walk away from you in this moment, and do my own thing, and so hear this verse in that way, in the Amplified it says, and we will do this, that is proceed to maturity, okay, we'll do what Tisa talked about today, we'll proceed in our maturity, if God permits For those who have once been enlightened spiritually and who have tasted and consciously experienced the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted and consciously experienced the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away in those moments, it is impossible to bring them back again to repentance since they again nail the son of God on the cross. For as far as they are concerned, they are treating the death of Christ as if they were not saved by it. And they are holding him up again to public disgrace. So again, I think we think about those other people who just completely walk away from God. And it's, and it's a little intimidating to hear that it's impossible you know, to bring them back to repentance, which is God can do anything. He can bring anyone to repentance. But again, hear this message for us. We will eventually repent, right? I mean, this process happens on a smaller scale all the time. We choose our own way. We choose our own way. And then all of a sudden we see it and we're like, oh, God, forgive me. We just we do that all the time. But we it says right there, they again nail the son of God on the cross, treating the death of Christ as if they were not saved by it. This is why, for me, I keep saying to myself, and I, I was led to, to sing today, that the price he paid was enough. His glory in us is, it's complete. It, it, it is finished, and that is my starting block. There's no going back. I don't operate in this life prior to the cross. When he said it was finished, that was and is my starting block for all things. So if I'm thinking something different or feeling something different, then that's a moment I just need to realign to get my, my spiritual vision recalibrated with him. I love the, um, the one of the footnotes. I won't read the whole verse again, but in the Passion Translation, um, it says that it is impossible. Another way to translate that is it is impossible to crucify the Son of God again for them to change their own minds. So what I'm saying is that method is never going to bring you healing or wholeness. You can't operate that way and gain any, um, you know, healing in your mind. You can't just decide, well, I don't trust you today. And so I'm going to do my own thing today. And you come and fix this for me. You can't do that. You know, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing until you prove it to me. And until you prove otherwise, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing because I don't trust you. And so you better do something about it because I don't trust you. You know, that's not the posture. We can't put him back on the cross and then can again, and it change our mind. Do you see? It's a subtle thing. We we cannot operate that, and it bring us into wholeness. Now, of course, you can go to God. And say, this is how I'm feeling. And you can be really blunt and honest with him. He's good with that. But we can't make our our choose this position of our heart over and over again. It won't ever work. And so I just wanted to share that with us as I don't know if we needed any more motivation. But again, it gives me a motivation in those moments. It propels me and compels me to watch for them in my mind. To watch when I'm thinking, oh, right there I just expected a certain outcome and I wanted it to be a certain way because I thought it was right and but you know what you're Lord you're, you're King Jesus you know what I don't have a right to be mad that my words weren't heard the way I meant them to be because you know what you're you're King Jesus I mean all these little subtle ways of things and so the last verse I want to read um a little further down in chapter six chapter six in Hebrews I mean they're all amazing but it's a really good one So a little further down, it says, So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Now, this is such a powerful uh, verse, but get this footnote. It says the Greek word for for dull of heart, because it says don't allow your hearts to grow dull, right, is nothros, which is taken from a root word, meaning illegitimate child. The implication is that we don't see ourselves as a child of illegitimacy, but as a child of intimacy, and that keeps our relationship fervent and passionate. Again, if we have allowed our hearts to grow dull in an area and lost our enthusiasm in an area, it means we've switched to operating as an illegitimate child, as an orphan, rather than a child of intimacy that's held and loved and and adored and nurtured, right? That was the other verse. So that he did all of this, Jesus did all this so that he would be the nurturing Lord of the king priests because, of course, we are meant to be king priests also. One last thing, I thought it was incredible. I'd never heard this before, but the Passion Translation does use the phrase king priest, where others, I believe, still use high priest. Well, this in it, Hebrews goes on to talk about it, but technically, according to the law, okay, of Moses, Jesus couldn't be a high priest. He could not be a high priest. Okay, think about all the religious structure of the Old Testament and how they had to follow everything, you know, to the dot, right? Every every little thing. Well, high priests, priests in general, had to were either from the tribe of Levites or from Aaron's tribe, because Aaron was the first appointed by God high priest, so they all had to be descendants of Aaron. Well, Jesus was neither a Levite. He wasn't from the tribe of Levi, and he wasn't a descendant of Aaron. He was from the tribe of Judah, who is kings, kingship, right? So this this is what this is telling me. God all along planned to blow up every aspect of that system. Like, this guy isn't even going to qualify on any measure not even like whether he says a word or does miracles or not, there is a legal thing that says he cannot be high priest. And so I'm going to blow all that up by making him the one that saves you. Yes. And so he is a king and a priest and he fills the role of high priest. He fills the office of high priest in a way that blew up the religious system. And, that is exactly what we go through every single day, okay? That is what's happening in those moments where we're like, no, I have a way. I have a system. I, I have a way that's based on years of research and all of my years of experience. This is the way and the law that I operate by, and so Jesus is going to repeat this scene over and over. He's going to say, yep, I'm blowing that all up. I'm the king, and I'm the priest right now. We're doing a whole new thing. It's a brand new thing. It's not even going to make any sense to you. Obviously, this is what he expected us to experience. I mean, it's in the book. It's in the story, right? It's the model. It's the model. It's the model for the journey. It's the model for the journey that we are going to have a way, and that he's going to blow it up and we still get to make him king over it and make him the priest over us in that moment because he did it all for the nurturing part. So to me, that's really empowering. And I I pray that we will all just find those little moments, just little decisions. You know, they're just little subtle things. And he does it in a way that's truly um, brings freedom and joy and in um, a fun way it doesn't all have to be hard you know and just remember the part that he did it all for the nurturing the nurturing so if it if it does conflict something in you that feels scary remember he did it all to be the nurturing lord so just ask him just go to him and say i need your nurturing in that moment and he will flip it into a moment that's actually life-giving and joyful and that you feel his love on And so, Papa, we just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and blew up the whole system. Thank you that you just blew it all up and you just, you rose to be the king, to be the priest, to satisfy everything that our souls needed, to satisfy all of it, just so that you could claim us as yours and nurture us and care for us and raise us up with you on an everyday basis. You know there's another verse in there where God speaks over Jesus and says that I basic, basically am your father. You know like that you are my son and there's a there's a, a footnote in there that says every day I begot you. He said he it was God was saying every day I gave birth to you as my son. Every day I I fathered you. And that's our process. Every day. Every day he is resurrecting us. Every day he is giving us new life, new birth. Every day. And he loves to nurture us in the process. So we just say, thank you. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We hear your word. We crown you as king today. We resign as high priest over our own life and king of our own life. Thank you for making this message personal and showing up. I just pray that you would show up for each person individually. Speak to them in that personal way that you long to speak to us in and, and show us the personal applications through dreams and visions and conversations and all sorts of things. So we just thank you for your ways. We love, love, love you. In Jesus' name, amen.